You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. A married couple viewed a house in the country with the intention of buying it. On the return home, they suddenly remembered they'd not noticed where the toilets were. So they wrote to the vicar, who had shown them round the house, and asked them where the WC was. Being ignorant of the term WC, the vicar thought it meant the Wesleyan Chapel. Imagine the couple's surprise when they received this letter. Dear Sir, I regret to tell you that the nearest WC is 10 miles away. It's rather unfortunate if you're in the habit of going regularly. However, it may interest you to know that some people make a whole day of it. By the way, it's been made to accommodate a thousand people. Also, it's been decided to replace the old wooden seats with plush new ones to comfort everyone who has to come and sit for a long time before proceedings. It gets bad as Those who can spare the time walk. Others go by train to get there just in time. Personally, I never go. My wife went for the last time 12 years ago and had to um, stand the whole time. The minister stands in full view of everyone. So it's not difficult for all of us to hear um, as he is rather long-winded at times. <laughs> I can assure you that the WC is a popular place and those who go there leave something behind and come away much relieved. There are some special facilities for women presiding over by the minister who gets, gives help if it's needed. I hope this will be of some use to you and trust you will be able to go regularly. Yours faithfully, the vicar. Oh, P.S. Hymn sheets are behind the door for your use. Please replace them when you've used them. Brilliant. I trust we don't have any misunderstandings this morning. Um, this is the second part of my message on unity. I am absolutely... Uh, burning with this message and have been for a long time about the fact, the importance of unity. Absolutely vital. And we're going to look at some issues this morning. Um, we're going to have a very quick recap on what I said last time. And then we're going to move on to some fresh material. So, I entitled the message United. Um, and um, I reminded us all in the first instance, that the Bible commands us to be in unity. Commands us to be in unity. So there you have it. Secondly, I mentioned the importance of unity in prayer. You remember where two or three are gathered in my name? You agree on anything, it will be done. So we talked about that. Then we talked about practicalities of unity that sometimes all of us might need a helping hand. We re remembered the story of Moses um, when Aaron and Hur had to help him with his arms um, when the children of Israel were in battle 
And every time his hands dropped, they were losing, so they propped his hands up. So just reminding us all that there are times in our lives that we all need a helping hand. Yeah? Good. Then I mentioned purpose. I talked about um, the, um, the unity of purpose. I've gone too far. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I spoke about the fact that when people are united together, um, it was the story of the um, Israelites and the Benjamites, and um, they all of one accord went down and won the battle. Then I mentioned about the power issue. We talked about the day of Pentecost. They were all in one accord in one place. And then the power of God came down via the Holy Spirit. I also mentioned Psalm 133, where that talks about God commanding the blessing for those in unity. We want to be in the blessing, don't we? And, and so that was mentioned. And then... I finally finished up last time talking about the fact that we have to work at it, okay? We're all individuals. Do you remember me talking about the fact that we have different personalities, that there'll be times when we might clash, uh, but the important thing is that we have this desire within our hearts to work for unity, okay? So that's where we left it last time. This time, I want to talk about areas where we need to work at it, where we need to work at the subject of unity. I'm going to read to you a bit from Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to quote from Ephesians quite a lot this morning. Um, there's a section in chapter 5 about wives and husbands. All the guys get excited when they read, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I find it an incredible challenge, friends, when you read on and it actually tells you that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. You want to think about that, guys. That is a tremendous challenge. As Christ loved his church, we should be loving our wives. So don't get on your high horse sometimes and crack the whip and say that you should be in submission. Think about your own role. Hmm. Okay. In verse 31 it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I'm going to be very careful how I put this this morning. But I am going to say what I'm going to say. It is important that we have unity in marriage. And part of that unity is through the mechanicals, the mechanical act of sex itself. It brings an intimacy and a unity, okay? But there's also a mental side to it as well. That's why... It tells us that we should only have sex in marriage. Young people, let me give you a little warning here. It's so very, very easy these days to go off the rails. One little click on your computer accidentally has happened to me a number of months ago. 
And I was suddenly bombarded with all sorts of images and uh, some invitations to uh, indulge in certain things. Uh, No strings attached. No strings attached. Seems lovely, doesn't it? Believe you me, there are strings attached. There is a melting of minds together. There is a moulding of minds. That's why the scripture says you should only abstain for a short time. Maybe when you're fasting, when you're praying for something, but then you need to come together again. I hope you don't think I'm, you know, talking about this flippantly. I'm saying it very seriously. If you're married, if you're involved in a marriage, you need to think about these things. Very, very important. Let's move on. We're going to talk about family life. Because then it goes into chapter 6 of Ephesians and it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Then it also says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's twofold there. Children have to respect their parents. They have to obey them, uh, which when you're a child is not an easy thing to do. Um, But the promise is great. Long life on the earth. That's what it says. And then you get the bit where it talks about um, fathers not, well, I use the phrase winding up. Don't wind your children up. Parents do not deliberately wind your children up. There's a responsibility on both sides. Okay? So in family life, there is that responsibility. The parents have a responsibility to train up the children in the way in which they should go. And then children have their responsibility to be obedient, even when perhaps we're younger, it does not make sense. Okay. Then it goes on to talk about work life. Slaves and masters, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's a slave or a free. Then we get masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So, whether you are a a blue-collar worker, a white-collar worker, or whatever worker you are, you have a responsibility. Uh, Those managers who are in management, those who are supervisors, whatever, they have a responsibility for their workforce. But the workforce's responsibility is to be the best you can at what, God, what job you're in. 
Now, I, you know, I can only talk about myself, but I try, I try to be the best porter in Torbay Hospital. Now, that may not be the case all the time, but that's what my goal is. And if I want to influence people at work, they need to see that sort of determination within me. If you're in management, you have a responsibility to treat your workforce with care and respect and looking after them. I wish there were more Christian NHS managers, but there you go. I'm all for taking pressure off the NHS, by the way. I should have had that. Might make my job a little bit easier anyway. The whole issue of the work life and what we do with our everyday lives, because I've realised that some people are retired and, uh, and some people are not in full-time employment. But our everyday lives, whether it's our work life, whatever we're doing, it has national and international implications. Okay? So... 1 Timothy 2, 1 tells us we need to pray for leaders and those in authority. I was thrilled to walk into the prayer meeting earlier and hear Ivor praying um, for our leaders. We should be doing that. Interestingly, we should be doing it whether we voted for them or not. Yeah? See, we all get excited Ooh, we're waving the blue flag or we're waving the red flag. I'm not blue, red, yellow, green. And sometimes we, we, we shy away from talking about politics. But this morning I am going to talk about politics. This country, friends, has been in a shambles. However way you look at it, this country's been in a shambles. We're told in Romans 13, the first seven verses, that we, we're, we, we are to live within the law. And there's a responsibility on all of us to do that. It's easier to pray for people you voted in. Oh, yes, it is. Believe you me, it's easier to pray for people you voted in. I don't know about you, I've chatted to a few people, actually, but I must admit the election result quite shocked me. I was surprised at the um, enormity of the majority that the blue flag got. I was surprised. It may be a good thing. You're sitting there thinking, well, things will get done now. Yeah, they might. But it doesn't mean we stop praying. We need to pray for our leaders. Whether you like Boris Johnson or not, you are called to pray for him. You are called to pray for those MPs who have been voted into Parliament. We're called to pray for wisdom. I pray that people would stand upon this word. Brexit. I'll tell you a very, very, well, not, it, it's a funny moment and I 
referred to it at my mum's funeral. Um, my mum had passed away about seven o'clock in the morning and the family were all around mum. And um, we'd been shedding tears and, and having memories, which is all <clears throat> normal stuff. And after an hour, uh, there was a television on in mum's room and there was a, an article came on the television about Brexit. And I just looked at, because mum, mum's body was still on the bed, and I knew that mum wasn't there, okay? So don't, you know, think that I thought mum was still there. But I just, I looked at her body and I said, well, mum, I said, you never got to see Brexit. To which my brother replied... I think a few more people may go, mate, before we sort Brexit out. <laughs> and in actual fact, it caused a lot of laughter in the room after a lot of sadness. And, and I think if my mum had heard it, she would have been laughing with us. So. But I, you know, if you're anything like me, I, I'm, you know me, I'm honest. And I am sick to the back teeth of Brexit. I don't care how you voted. I don't care whether you voted to come out, stay in, walk a fence, do whatever. But I'm fed up with Brexit. I'm fed up with looking at the news every day and all it is is stuffed with Brexit. I mean, the last couple of weeks we've had a bit of a change, uh, but it's all been about the election. Great. And then when you, the election sorted out, they go back on to Brexit again. What's going to happen? I had to pull myself up a few months ago because I just got so cheesed off with it and remind myself that I had to pray about it. It wasn't sufficient to moan and groan, but I have a responsibility. And friends, dare I say it, we all have a responsibility before God to pray about it. The EU was driving me bonkers sometimes. Listening to different people saying, we're not giving way, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. We need to pray. We need to pray for Europe. Just because we're coming out, friends, we've got family in Europe. There are people who love Jesus who are in Europe. You need to remember these things. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you should have voted this way, you should have done that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just reminding you of our responsibilities to pray for these things. I, I've mentioned here on my notes Donald Trump. Mr. Trump, well, divides opinion. Some people, you know, if you talk to some of the people, uh, Americans, I've got one or two friends, and Amazing, he, he's a hero. The economy is completely turned around in America. Now, of course, Trump is a businessman, so he should know what he's doing with the economy. But then you get the other side of the coin where uh, you hear people say the guy can't string two sentences together and he's an idiot. Whatever your view is, friends, we need to pray for Donald Trump because he's an incredibly important person in a in a position of power. However you feel, and it's easier if you like someone, 
I think I've mentioned to you before my cousin Mervyn, he, he heads up um, CSW, which is Christian Solidarity Worldwide, and um, he has the ears of a lot of the MPs in London. He deals with the Foreign Office quite regularly. Um, he sat down with Boris Johnson when he was the Foreign Secretary. Um, and so Mervyn gets the, um, uh, the ear of a lot of the MPs. And he, he said to several of them in the past six or seven months, he said about the whole issue of Brexit. And this is what Mervyn said. He said, it didn't matter whether they were Conservative, Labour, Scottish National, Lib Dems, whatever. He said, they are all sick and tired of Brexit. They are absolutely dreading going into work because they know they've got to deal with it again. MPs from all parties just cheesed off with the whole thing. Friends, can I say we need to pray? Matthew 12, 25 talks about the divided house will not stand. Boy, don't we know that in this country. Been a lot of division, hasn't there? A lot of division. We need to move on. We need to pray. We need to pray that there will be unity in our nation. We need to pray for our MPs. We need to pray for these people who have the rule over us, that God would give them wisdom, that they would see God, that people would look to this word for inspiration. The fourth area I want to talk to you about is church life. We need to work at our relationships in church life, do we not? I think we do. Finished up last time by talking to you about, um, from Ephesians 4, about working at it. And none of us are exempt. Whether you are in leadership, whether you're not in leadership, uh, there are times when you have to work at your relationships. Misunderstandings can occur so easily. We, we just read that marvellous letter this morning and it was all about misunderstanding. The problem is, friends, misunderstandings lead to other things, lead to splits in churches, lead to divorce in marriages. Biggest failure of a marriage is communication breakdown. People not talking, people not saying how they feel, all those things. When I chat sometimes, as I do to some of my colleagues at work, and, and I might say a few things about the Bible and, and, and about Jesus and God, and they say that they'll turn around to me and say, religion is the cause of all the wars in the world. Well, in some ways, I haven't got a leg to stand on. Well, no, I haven't. For years and years and years, the Protestants and the Catholics have been in each other's throats. Some terrible atrocities took place years ago. I'm so pleased to hear John talking about unity in this town. I want to say something 
to you all. It's time that we stopped talking about things that divide us. Yeah? And it's time to talk about things that unite us. I know some lovely Catholic Christian people who love Jesus. I might not like their particular style of worship in their meetings. I may not like particular things. I may see things differently, the role of the Pope and on all the rest of it. But those people love Jesus. Friends, let me tell you, the key thing here this morning is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We need to stop. When we get to heaven, friends, here's a revelation for you. Not a prophecy. This is not a revelation. I'm telling you, we're not going to have denominations in heaven. We're not going to have the Baptists over there and the Pentecostals there and the Presbyterians there and the Church of England up there. It's not going to work like that, friends. People who know Jesus are going to be together in heaven, worshipping him. I hope you're getting my heart this morning because I'm just sick and tired of people talking about the things that divide when I want to talk and hear about the things that unite. Because I know from studying this that if we are united, friends, we will be powerful. We will see days like the day of Pentecost coming again. Well, I've touched some very awkward subjects this morning. Politics, sex. How do we know, friends? That someone loves Jesus. Very simple thing here. How do we know? So many things, people can say so many things. And you, <clears throat> you might say to me, how do we know, Mark? Well, Jesus says in Matthew 7.20, by your fruit you will know them. So if somebody's claiming something but there's no fruit, well, you need to question it. Somebody loves Jesus, fruit will automatically be displayed. Now, you know, I'm not saying we get perfection. We don't. We work at it. We have to do things. But there will be signs of fruit. I've got a fig tree in my garden. It drives me bonkers. Um, I'm not the most happiest gardener. But there's a big fig tree in the garden. And every year I, I have to cut the thing back. Uh, the first two or three years I did it, I was quite circumspect. And uh, come the spring and the summer, suddenly this thing, huge. So I thought, right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut this thing so badly it won't grow like that again. And so I really did a sethering act on it. But Juliet said to me, you think that's... <laughs> She was a bit concerned that we were going to lose the fig tree. And um, I said, oh, I'm just fed up. Every year, I said, I'd like a year or two where I haven't got to worry about the thing. And uh, I severed it. It was two years ago, I remember, and I really severed it. And it was bigger than ever. And the figs on it were... No, I don't like figs, which is rather unfortunate. Um, if you like figs, 
come and see me in the autumn because I've got them coming out of my ear holes. Um, but because I had completely severed the, the tree, the fruit, yeah, went mad. When Jesus gets hold of our lives, friends, and starts pruning away, boy, it hurts at the time. I don't suppose that tree takes too kindly if you had feelings. When I get my saw out and clip bits off and... But the amazing thing is that when God is doing a work in somebody's life, there will be fruit as a result. So let's start looking around and seeing fruit in one another. So that's how we know. And finally, I want to leave you with possibly the ultimate challenge, which is how does the world know? How does the world know? Well, the world knows, friends. John 13, 35 sums it up. Jesus says people would know because you love each other. Because you have a love for each other. Not that you throw accusations. So they're Catholics, they're Protestants. They don't see things the way I do. We have a love for one another. Now, there will always be differences. There will always be issues. There will always be... And that's why, interesting, friends, it's important you find the right church for you. It really is. It's important that you know this is the church that God has called you to. There are different styles of worship out there. There are different things. But the important thing is, do they worship Jesus? Is the fruit showing in their lives? Each and every one of us has a responsibility to love each other and to work at it, to produce fruit. If you're able, will you stand with me, please? Very simple appeal. If you're with me, if you relate to what I've said this morning, if you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, will you just raise your hand? You don't have to look around and see who's raising their hand. God sees whose hands are raised. And I'm going to pray for us all that unity. I'm raising my hand. God, I pray. I pray for unity in this place. I pray... Lord, that we would work at things. Where there are misunderstandings, Lord, let us be in relationship with one another, that we are able to sort these things out. You, Lord, see every hand raised this morning. And I pray within each one of us there would be a determination to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the royal family, to pray to pray, Lord Jesus, for Britson, Lord God, that the churches would come together, that differences would seem irrelevant and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in this place. Oh God, hear our hearts this morning, I pray. As we come to the end of this year, Lord God, I pray this nation would become united again. That we move forward again, Lord God.
that we would see through the difficulties and we would see your church grow. Help us to love one another, Lord. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.